If you are looking for even more help and guidance on your breakup, I have a few different options for you to take your healing to the next level. I have four different online courses depending on what stage of the breakup that you're in from beginning all the way into moving on after heartbreak, or you can bundle all of my courses together and use the code podcast to get $25 off my course bundle. I also have my 30 day no contact challenge to help hold you accountable in going no contact with your ex. And we have our free Facebook group, Healing Hearts Club, where you can connect with other people going through breakups all over the world. To learn more about any of these resources, head to the show notes where you can learn more about my courses, take the quiz to figure out which course is best for you, or join the Facebook group. And don't forget to use the code PODCAST to get $25 off my course bundle. Welcome to the Heal Your Heartbreak podcast with your host, Breakup Bestie, aka me, Kendra. Breakups are hard, but you don't have to do it alone. Each week, I will be taking you through a different topic as it relates to breaking up, healing from heartbreak, growing in your single life, dating, and getting back into happier and healthier relationships. The goal of this show is to provide support, hope, tips, and to remind you that above all, this too shall pass. Welcome to another expert episode of the podcast. One of my favorite parts about having this podcast is all of the incredible people that I have been able to meet over the years and just new subjects that I've been able to learn about. And I'm always on the lookout for new people to have on the show. And One of my best friends said, I just ordered this book and you have to talk to her for your podcast. The book is Eat, Pray, FML. And immediately I knew I had to have this person on. So today I have Gabrielle Stone. She is the best-selling author of the book Eat, Pray, FML. She's the host of the FML podcast. And she also has the book The Ridiculous Misadventures of a Single Girl. And Her story from beginning to end is just, it's not only riveting, but it's not even just like the moral of the story. There are so many morals of the story as we walk through her entire journey. She had been married, found out that her husband was having an affair with a 19-year-old, files for divorce a couple weeks later, meets a guy, decides to go to Europe with this guy the day before they leave. He ends it. So her story is just, it's full of obviously a lot of heartbreak, but along the way, she learns so many valuable lessons that she's then able to share with us. We talk a lot in this episode about the idea of self-care and self-love. And she, very similar to me, realized that, yes, it's like this, of course, we all want to have more self-care and more self-love. But how do you, I don't know, how do you actually do it? So she made this really tangible way And she has this really tangible system of how to add more self-care and self-love into your life. So we touched on so many great subjects in this, and I know you guys are going to love her story. Highly recommend her book as well as her podcast. And without me blabbing on anymore, I'm so excited to introduce you guys to Gabrielle Stone. Welcome, Gabrielle, to the Heal Your Heartbreak podcast. So honored to have you on today. 
I am so honored to be here. I knew when I heard the name of the podcast, I was like, this is the place for me to be. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I had mentioned to you, but I was at a brunch and my girlfriend had bought your book and she was like, you have to talk to her. And then once I started going through all of your stuff, I was like, this is, it's so aligned with what we talk about on here. And I love that. And I'll get into this later, but I love so much that you're not just like heal, love yourself. You're like, when you walk away from listening to a podcast or reading your book, like you have shit to do, like you have like action steps to like get into it, which has always been my goal too. There's so many like lofty ideals in the healing space, but it's so few people talk about like, what do you actually do to be able to do that? Yeah. And it's so interesting. You know, when I wrote the book, I wanted it to feel very kind of like you're sitting down with a girlfriend having a glass of wine. She's telling you about the crazy shit show that her life has become. But through reading about all the crap that I went through and what I did, it's really a self-help book without at all feeling that way. Like it's very sneaky in the sense. I think people initially pick it up because they're like, oh, this sounds like a fun wild ride, which it absolutely is. And then they finish reading it and they're like, holy shit, half of my life is like now changed. (laughs) Yeah. And it's so funny because we give such good advice to our friends. Like what you're saying, like when you're sitting down with a friend, just talking, like sometimes I'm like, I didn't even know I had this in me. You say these like profound things. Then when it comes to yourself, you like have no idea how to handle that. So I love that that's like the style of the book. And before diving into more questions, I would love if you could kind of tell the setup of the book. Obviously I know the story, but if you could kind of share with the listeners, what made you get into this? Yeah. So I was married for almost two years. We were together for about five and I found out my husband was having an affair with a 19 year old for six months. And I filed for divorce, left. And shortly after that, I met a guy and we fell madly in love with each other, like had this whirlwind romance that was like, meet my family. I'm going to have babies with you, like signed, sealed, delivered, soulmate, we're done. And he invited me on a month long trip to Italy with him. Of course, finding that out, you're like, you're crazy, but also when are you going? <laughs> and yeah. it was like September 4th, which would have been my two-year wedding anniversary. And I was like, when are you coming home? And he said, October 4th. And that's my late father's birthday. So at this point I'm like, okay, universe, I hear you. I'm going to Europe. Had been on my bucket list for a very, very long time and booked my ticket. Everything was like magical for a month and a half. I like fit right into his family. Like we were planning years down the road And 48 hours before we were getting on a plane, he told me he needed to go by himself and broke up with me. And I was absolutely devastated. This man broke my heart like my ex-husband never could have done. And I was sitting at home on a bed in my, my old bedroom, because that's where you move when you're 28 and divorced, and was like, well, I have a decision to make. And that's either stay at home heartbroken or go travel Europe for a month by myself. And staying at home heartbroken was not a fucking option for me. (laughs) So I took a backpack and I did six countries over the span of a month and wrote Eat, Pray, FML. It's amazing. And I remember hearing you sold your wedding ring to like pay for that trip too, right? I did. And you know what? That's one thing I didn't include in the book because when I was writing it, it didn't seem important. Now with all the viral videos on social media and I, there's comments where people are like, must be nice to just be rich and drop everything and go travel Europe. I'm like, no, no, no. I was actually broke as fuck after my divorce. 
sold the ring for $5,000 and the trip cost just about that. Well, the reason I brought it up is because that's been a question I've been getting a lot in DMs. Like, what do I do with jewelry that I get from my ex? And I'm like, sell it and go do something, you know, positive for yourself. Yeah. So I think that's amazing. And the title of the book really struck me in this way where it's like the idea of like the eat, pray, love, like the book and then the Julia Roberts movie. It's very like this, like romanticized version of going through a breakup where you, you know, go off and solo travel. But I love like the dichotomy of the eat, pray, and then like, fuck my life, you know? And it's both can exist. And I talk about that a lot, like this idea of like, and feelings of like, I can have this like great trip and be completely devastated. I can be like, so pissed at my ex-husband, but also like relieved that it's over, you know, it's just like this idea of, and, and I just, I don't know, like when you were coming up with the name for that book, like, I'm just curious what the idea behind it was. So I was not a writer when I had this whole catastrophe happen in my life. I had written a short screenplay, which is like vastly different than sitting down to write a book. I had always loved creative writing and could like bullshit the hell out of an English essay, but like I was not a writer. And I remember when I found out I was going on this trip alone, the man who who dumped me before the trip in the book, his name is Javier, he... And I went to have a conversation about it. And when he dropped me off that night, he's like, how are you feeling, Gabs? And I looked at him and I was like, like, I'm about to go on a journey of eat, pray, fuck my life. And that's the title of the book I'm going to write. Like it literally just hit me. I had never read Eat, Pray, Love. I had never watched the movie. I walked my ass inside, watched the movie that night and remember sitting there watching Julia Roberts being like, holy shit, this is my life. (laughs) Like, yeah, what's happening? So it really... You know, I think the the FML version of it, you know, if it was my choice, I would have written it out in full, but it's a little hard to put the, the actual F word on the title of a book. And it really just embodied everything that that trip was. And you're so right about the and, like, there were moments on that trip where I was so happy and, you know, meeting all of these amazing people and having these, like, incredibly life-changing experiences And there were days where I would sit in my hostel or my Airbnb and cry for six hours while I was writing. Like it, they both exist and all of that is valid and all of that is okay. Especially when you're going through a heartbreak, you know, people, a lot of times they're like, okay, it's not the worst thing you could go through, but grieving a person who is still alive is one of the most difficult and devastating things that we as humans can try and wrap our brains around especially if it was a a really intense in-depth relationship, it's not something to be taken lightly. So you have to really be willing to meet yourself where you are every day on that healing journey. And sometimes that's going to be in the depths of the shit. And sometimes you're going to feel totally fucking great and like ready to take on the world. And all of that is okay. Yeah. I mean, it's like the breakups are this insane emotional roller coaster, like all of which you could hit the top and the bottom, like within a span of a few hours. And I'm curious when you were on this trip in Europe, obviously you're still meeting people, but a majority of the time you're by yourself and you're spending a lot of time alone. What did going through this devastation alone reveal to you? Like what was the biggest revelation that you had on this trip? So I'm a big believer in everything happens for a reason, even when you can't see it necessarily in the moment. 
This was an interesting situation though, because it was one of those times where I was so devastated and so blindsided and heartbroken, but I still could see why it was happening in the moment. I lost my dad pretty tragically when I was six years old. I walked in and found him dead on the floor from blood clot to his heart. And in that moment, being a six-year-old little girl, I developed a subconscious belief that was when I love someone, they die. And I then in high school lost my high school sweetheart when I was 18 in a car accident. That same wound was ripped wide open. And eventually that became you know, when I love someone, I they die or when I love someone, they leave. So I always had this fear of abandonment, fear of being alone. Like I always had a boyfriend or I had friends over, you know, I was never really by myself. So when I found out that I was actually going to take this trip and go across the world by myself, it was almost ironic. Like I almost was like, okay, universe, I get it. But can you like chill the fuck out at the same time? Because this was it was making me go face that biggest fear that I had carried for years and years and years of my life head on and to really go learn how to be okay by myself and to be empowered by that. And I was terrified on the plane ride over. Like the only thing I knew about hostels was that there's a horror movie about them and people get brutally murdered. And, you know, Liam Neeson is not coming to get me if I get taken. So it was a lot of fear for me, but being on that trip and solo travel in general, I've done it multiple times now, the empowerment that you get when you realize how capable you are just by yourself is something that I hope everybody can experience at some point in their life. And furthermore, when you are alone and you force yourself to like be in those situations, you actually start to enjoy it. Like there were many times where I would be sitting in a cafe by myself writing and I was like, I am so happy. Like I would not want anyone else here. And that was a really empowering thing for me to experience. Yeah. And I was going to ask, so did you know, like, did you know for most of your life that you had a fear of abandonment or was it when you went through this, when you were faced with being alone that you realized that like it really hit you? No, I've always known my mom, apart from being an actress, is also an, an intuitive healer. She's like a clairvoyant channel. So she does a lot of healing work with clients. So I grew up in a very spiritual household. So I had known from a very early age that this was a thing and a pattern in my life. So I was aware of it. What I wasn't aware of is, and I talk a lot about this on my podcast, when you have unhealed shit you are subconsciously going to attract things into your life that are going to mirror that so that you can wake up and heal it. So for example, I had this fear of abandonment my whole life. So then I attracted my ex-husband who abandoned me and cheated and, you know, really left in the worst way possible. And the universe was like, okay, Gabrielle, are we ready? Are we ready to heal this yet? And I was like, mm, no, I'm good. I'm going to go over here. Thanks though. And then I attracted the man after who quite literally abandoned me two days before we were getting on the plane. And the universe was like, okay, are, are we ready to heal the abandonment stuff yet? And I was like, oh, fine. Okay. <laughs> and it wasn't until I really took responsibility for that and started to unpack that and heal that, that I was able to attract something different into my life. So as hard as it is for people, you know, I get DMs all the time and like, why do I keep like getting cheated on? And why do I have such shit luck with men? And I'm like, as shitty as it sounds, guys, like 
You have to take responsibility and point the finger back at yourself. Not that you're deserving of any of that, but there's something in you that's attracting things. If there's a pattern in your life that's going on and that can be a really powerful thing to take notice of. I couldn't agree more. And I always used to call it my bad. I had a bad picker and I remember I had a, I was like complaining about this to a mentor of mine. And she said, Kendra, all of these situations have a very common denominator and her name is Kendra. And I was like, okay, mine was here. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, uh, yeah, woof that like it hurts. But then at the same time, it's also really empowering because if you believe that your fate lies in like luck or whoever just happens to walk into like your right. space, that's terrifying. You don't really, yeah, it's terrifying. And there's like no sense of control over it where if you can be like, okay, I'm taking accountability for this. I do have the power to change who I attract into my space as long as I'm willing to like own it and do the work. My thing was I always had a fear of being a burden. So I attracted people that I was always too much. Right. Like, you know, they never had enough time for me or enough capacity for me. And it was the same thing. Like I had to face that. And I'm curious when you were on that trip, the fear of abandonment, was it just being able to spend time alone and proving to yourself that you could do it? Or was it more digging down into that, like subconscious thoughts and beliefs about that, that did the healing. If that, if that makes sense. Yeah. I think it was a mixture of both. So it was like the superficial layer of it, how that belief had shown up throughout my life was always having a man in my life or always, you know, having people over to sleep over or living with roommates and like never really physically being on my own. So that was taken care of because I was now very much alone. Um, even, you know, the, I, I met so many amazing people on the trip, but there were many, many days where it was just me and I was with myself. So that aspect was taken care of. And then through writing the book, I, I continuously, there's a technique in there called the thought onion that yeah, I was going to ask you about that, Yeah, that I do consistently. And that's really, you know, digging deeper into those superficial thoughts or those like initial reactions that come up and doing those really allowed me to get to some deeper stuff where I was like, okay, I get that I'm having this reaction or this thought or this feeling, but like, where is that coming from? Like what unhealed part in me or past trauma or subconscious belief am I holding that's creating this and being able to do that and really reflect on it was a massive part of my healing journey. Anytime you can sit down and write, it's gonna bring stuff to the surface. And, you know, I took a leather bound journal on this trip and it's not like I was just journaling my feelings and then came home and turned it into a book. If you open that journal, it's like chapter one and it's very close to how the finished book ended up being published. And I think that there's something really special about physically writing as opposed to typing because it's, It's a way where whatever's inside is working through you and coming out and being released onto the page. So every time I would finish writing a chapter or a section of the book, it felt like I had kind of processed that piece. And it was like, not that it was just magically healed and gone. I was less charged from it, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes a ton of sense. And I always tell people for journaling and writing sake, like do it pen to paper because there are so many times where I'm writing 
And I don't even know, I like, I'm not consciously thinking about what's coming out on paper. It's like very much. And I remember I had a girl DM me once and she told me like, there's like a scientific reason behind it. And I don't know what it is, but it is backed up where the like writing pen to paper is so much better. And in so many ways, you've been able to turn so much of your trauma that you've been through and all of the hardship into this very like, like a powerful thing that you're able to own and, and help other people. You know, I had a very similar experience with trauma that I went through. And it was like when I started this platform and started talking about my abusive relationship and all of that stuff. But for the regular like listener who may not have a platform or want to write a book, what are some ways that you suggest that people can take their trauma and not make it seem like I spent so many years thinking my trauma made me broken and less worthy. And Mm -hmm. now I realize it's like turned, it's the reason I have so many of these strengths. So how do you suggest people can make that shift? Well, I think that if there's a way that you can, if you're called to do so, to take whatever trauma or pain you've been through and turn it into a purpose, like you've done with the podcast, like I did with the books, that can be a really powerful way to kind of like reclaim some of that power. Don't think it's like necessary. You know, I think really it comes down to a conscious decision of being like, this is something that happened to me and it's now part of my story. It doesn't define me. I remember when I was younger I was in some like wild argument with my mom during my angsty teen years and I was crying and I turned to her and I was like, well, I'm angry because, you know, dad died and it's not fair. And she looked at me and she was like, look, you can be angry and you can grieve and you can be upset, but you're never going to use your father's death as an excuse ever again. And she really taught me that when something happens to you, you go through the motions, you deal with the emotions, you grieve, you feel it. And then eventually you're going to get to a fork in the road and you can either go left and be like, I'm going to continue to be a victim. And this happened to me and it's horrible. Or I'm going to go right and say, this isn't going to define me. It's just going to be part of who I am and part of my story. And it's going to push me into the next healing phase of my life. Kind of like being like this jumping off point of I'm going to make something great out of this. And that was so invaluable for me to learn. So I think it's just a conscious decision of, you know, being like letting go of the shame, which I know a lot of people feel, especially after divorce and stuff. I know I felt that letting go of the shame and really like being empowered by it, you know, and saying like, yeah, I got cheated on. And then I chose to leave and fuck yeah for choosing me, you know, like that's powerful. Or, you know, I got my heart broken and I'm devastated, but like, how can I use that to now up level in my own life and really finding ways where you can reclaim your power in the pain, I think is, is a really incredible thing to do. Well, I was just thinking, I was reading through your podcast reviews and the overall like resounding message was like, thank you for the vulnerability. Thank you for this space where I can, like my mess doesn't feel shameful. And I was thinking, I always had this weird thing with crying. I always thought it made me look super weak. And it wasn't until I got sober and I was like in this environment where I saw a lot of people crying. And I thought like, 
God, that's so strong. Like, oh my God, I want to do that. I want to be able to do that because it looks so strong. So this shame that we hold of, I went through a divorce where on the other hand, if your best friend went through a divorce, got cheated on, chose herself, you would be like, fuck yeah, like go you. And so I think this idea of talking about, even if it's just on a small scale, like talking to your friends and family, like, Hey, this is what happened. Like I held onto a sexual assault for like six years, didn't tell anyone. And it made me so insanely sick. And it wasn't until I told people thought I would be completely shunned. And it was like, I'm so sorry you went through that. I wish we could have been there for you. And I think that's like such so common and such a great way to empower yourself is just to like share your story. Yeah, absolutely. And that's not to say that you won't have to put in work to unlearn some bad habits that you might've picked up from that toxic situation. My ex-husband used to make me feel so shitty about crying. Like it would be like, I don't feel anything when you cry. It's overdramatic. You're acting like it's annoying, like horrible stuff that you would never want to say to someone you love who is clearly hurting and crying. And in the relationship after, I would remember like, I would be in a conversation, I would feel tears coming up and I would stop for like talking for an, a weirdly long amount of time. And the person would be like, what's going on? And I was like, I, I don't feel like I can crumb trying not to cry. And people would be like, why? Like, if you feel that, let your emotion out. And so I had to unlearn that habit of feeling ashamed and annoying for crying. It took a long time. So really looking back and seeing once you're out of those situations and those relationships, seeing what you picked up that's not healthy for you. Yeah. Letting people in is, is a huge, a huge thing. So even if you can't do it on a bigger scale, like with a podcast or like a platform, being able to talk to the people that are close to you and in releasing that energy, because as you just said, you hold that in your body and it can make you sick. You don't need to be responsible for keeping that in. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What would you do if you had unlimited time and energy? As you're navigating your breakup, I know your energy can feel low and it can feel really difficult to complete everything you need to in a day. When you're emotionally exhausted, it's especially important to be really clear on what your priorities are and where your energy should be invested. Therapy has helped me in the past figuring out where I should be putting my energy, whether that's career, friendships, relationships, events, which in turn has helped lower my anxiety because I don't always have to feel stretched thin or behind. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash heartbreak today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash heartbreak. Are you looking for a guilt-free way to unwind? Between balancing your breakup, work, and just functioning in your day-to-day life, I know you are under a lot of stress. Breakups mess with your nervous system, cause obsessive thoughts, and make it so hard to just sit with yourself. This is why it's so important to have rituals that allow you to treat yourself in a healthy way. And this is why I love Recess Mood, a sparkling water infused with functional ingredients like stress-balancing adaptogens and mood-lifting magnesium. Life has been very full and stressful for me lately, and as someone who hasn't had alcohol in a 
11 years, I need something that helps me relax and that can bring me a moment of peace. Lately, my favorite way to do that is sitting on the couch after I put my kids to bed and having either the strawberry rose or the lime recess mood. They not only make me feel good, but they also taste incredible too. So whether you're looking for a healthier alternative to alcohol or a way to make you feel more balanced, you deserve a healthier way to unwind. Head to takearecess.com heartbreak and get 15% off Recess Mood, your go-to alcohol replacement. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Yeah. And people tend to come to me and they don't want to talk about their divorce or their breakup with their friends because all of their friends are in relationships. And it's like, we forget like everyone who's in a relationship most likely went through like multiple heartbreaks to, to get to that place. And so I think there's this thing of not wanting to feel like a burden and we forget that like people really want to help us. And it actually feels really good to help someone else. You're also like depriving someone else of being able to help you. Yeah. And I, I think that there's, if you're one of those people that is feeling like not super secure to share stuff, there's ways to do it in a ethical, maybe is not the right word way where, you know, you go and you're like, I would really love to share some stuff with you. Are you in a mental headspace for me to do that? I always really respect when people do that with me because I, I feel like every day I have 20 DMS of like paragraphs of people needing advice and help and it can get really overwhelming. So that's a really great way to kind of open that door and give them the opportunity to be like, yeah, I'm totally like, please tell me what's going on. You know? Yeah. One thing, and I'm sure like, this is very much like a service thing, but looking at your story, it seems like there are so many things that happened, but it feels like you never quite like took it. Like when your ex-husband cheated on you, it'd be so easy to make it about you. I'm not good enough. I'm like not young enough. All of those things. Like, how were you able to look at it of like, it's not about me, it's about the other person? Yeah. I don't know if there's an answer as to how. I just know how I feel about cheating and view it. It's never about the partner. It's about a person who is insecure or has some type of void within themselves and they need validation and to use something to fill that up. So it has nothing to do with someone that's like younger or hotter, or it'll be with anyone that they can get that validation and fulfillment from. And that has nothing to do with you. Yeah. And even if it's not necessarily about, I think most of the time breakups are like two people that are not compatible and it's not so much of like, you didn't hit like all of these marks necessarily, but it is so easy to take. I mean, any kind of breakup extremely personally and have it seriously decrease your self-esteem and and all of those things. And I know something that you're really big on is the idea of self-love and you have a really, I think, amazing and interesting philosophy on it. And so I'd love if you could kind of share how you built yourself back up after going through this, you know, horrible string of events. Yeah. So when I went on the Europe trip, 
I knew that I had to figure out how to love myself. I knew that was like the fucking holy grail key to life. And I was like, okay, I'm ready to do that. Can anyone tell me how? And there was no answers as to like, yes, this is how you love yourself. It was some like mythical fucking feeling that you're just supposed to look in the mirror and be like, I love you, Gabrielle. And every time I tried to do that, I felt like a freaking crazy person. So I went on this trip. I knew that this was like a big thing that I needed to figure out. I didn't necessarily find all of it on my trip. I found pieces of it, which is why I wrote about it in the epilogue of the first book. And it's called The Self-Love Cocktail. It got me out of one of the biggest depressions I've ever been in when I returned home from that trip. And it's really simple. Basically, you sit down and you write out things that you're capable of giving your soul that make you feel love and make you feel happy. So for me, that was dancing, meditating, creating, going to the gym, eating healthy. Not necessarily that I'm not one of those people that go to the gym and I'm like, yeah, running makes me feel so good. But what happens after it and the endorphins and how I then feel in my own skin, that makes me feel good. So writing out a list of things that you're capable of giving your soul that you love, that you don't need other people for, just you. And then you commit to giving yourself things on that list every single day. At first, it can be one or two things. So it'll be like a stiffer self-love cocktail, like a vodka martini. And then as you continuously add things in and get more comfortable with it, you start adding more things from that list and you're having like a full on fun mixology cocktail because loving yourself is as simple as giving your soul the things it loves. If you think about if you're in a relationship with a significant other or any relationship dynamic, like a mother, daughter or a friend, and you want to make that other person feel love, you'll do things so that they experience the feeling of love, things that they love, that their soul loves. So when you're talking about self-love, why would you not turn inward and just do those things for yourself? And then it became, I'm very into tasks and making lists and checklists. And it became something that I could actively do every day to show up for myself. And it completely changed my life. I mean, and obviously has changed many people's lives from, from learning about it because there's also this idea of like date yourself and do those things. And it's like the same thing. Like, how would you treat someone you were dating? You would check in with them, like make plans with them. It's not this. I always thought that I compare it to my journey with like self-esteem. I literally thought that when I hit 30, I would just be like blessed with (laughs) self-esteem. I just thought like, I just thought mother. (laughs) Yeah. 30, like 13 going on 30. I was like, when I hit 30, my whole life will change. And then I went through a period where I thought I would find self-esteem in therapy, which therapy is amazing. And, you know, I've been in it for a long time and I have needed it in so many different ways, but I didn't find self-esteem in therapy. I also didn't find self-love in therapy. I found it through like, I always compare it to when I got sober, I had my first sponsor was like, you're going to make your bed every day. And that's all you're going to do. You're just going to make your bed. And I was like, how the fuck is that going to keep me from not taking a drink that day? But it did. It was just like this little task and like returning shopping carts and like all these little things made me feel like a better person. It wasn't like, I wasn't going to find it in one deep, you know, spirit quest or like going on a trip. It was literally just like, what do I do every day for myself? Yeah. And I think it's, it's so important to, you know, especially for 
people that have kids and other responsibilities. They're like, everybody else is coming before me. It's so important. Even if you're like the busiest person on the planet, like wake up 10 minutes earlier and do a meditation or, you know, schedule that time for you to give back to yourself. Because ultimately, if you're not filling yourself up and you're not giving that to yourself, everyone else is getting a half-assed version of you anyways. Yeah, no, it's, I, and I feel very much in the thick of that right now, but it is, it's so true. If I don't wake up and take a few things for myself or take like a 10 minute workout break, I'm definitely not, not at my best. And as you took these like self-love actions and as you wrote about your story, talk about like the differences you started noticing in the men that you were attracting or how did that change? I was looking at your Instagram. Clearly you're in a very happy relationship now. Um, So I'd love to hear your journey of like attracting people that were going to leave to now. Yeah. So it, it was a journey. So the second book, which is the sequel, it's a direct sequel to Eat, Pray, FML, it's called The Ridiculous Misadventures of a Single Girl. That kind of details from when I got home from Europe through the next two years of my life. And you meet my current relationship in that book and you kind of see the struggle and the crazy journey that we go on. Because it really... I had attracted the relationship and attracted him into my life. And he's someone who has never and would never abandon me. But I wasn't ready to accept that because I I was still working through a lot of that. So it took me a very long time to understand that the relationship I had just come out of with Javier, that initial spark and that passion and that almost unhealthy pull we had towards each other was toxic. And my definition of love between my ex-husband and the relationship with Javier had become toxic. So when this amazing, healthy, safe love walked into my life, I was like, oh, that can't be it. Because I don't feel like the this and the this and was like, no, 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 no. There's something missing. This can't be right. So it took me a really long time to recognize that. And I think I still needed to grow and heal a lot more because as great as the Europe trip was and as much healing as I did and how I came back as a different fucking human in all of the best ways, there was still a lot of outside stuff that was happening. There was like the friends I was meeting and the men I met on the trip and like the adventures I was going on. And when I came home, that all stopped. It was like I got off the carousel and was like, oh, shit, here's life <laughs> ready to smack you in the face. So I think it it really took a while for me to really dig in and, and go inwards and, and allow the stuff I had discovered to kind of take place and sink into that a little bit more. And that was a big, a big thing, giving myself the time to heal because I'm so fucking impatient. I'm just like, okay, great. Let's do it. It's ready. Let's get it done. Let's be better. Let's feel better. And unfortunately, time is one thing that does heal incredibly. And one thing that we like never want to allow ourselves to have. And I think even, especially when you're having like these insane insights, like these periods of like insane insights and it feels like everything makes sense and all of these things are happening. And then 
it takes a while for, for you to like have enough situations to put that into practice. You know, it's like, I remember hearing like the idea of like a spiritual awakening. We think of it as this like big, huge, like moment that happens once. And then you're never the same after that, which it can be, but a lot of it is also like facing a situation. Maybe you go on a date with someone total red flags and you say, thank you so much. Like, I'm not interested. Like that's a spiritual awakening because you're doing right. things differently than, than you used to. And that, that takes time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it was almost like I had all of the tools in a box, like from my trip, I was like, cool, here's my box. I've got yeah. all the tools. And then I got home. I was like, I'm not fucking opening that. <laughs> I don't want to have to like start using all of these and putting them into practice. That sounds like a lot of work and that sounds terrifying. But yeah, it's really about allowing yourself to have the revelations and then giving yourself grace as you start putting those into practice because it doesn't happen overnight. Yeah. And that's why I also tell people when they say like, do I need to be completely over my ex to date again? And I'm like, honestly, no. Cause I think a lot of the like parts of healing happen when you are faced with someone else. It's like, you can do all this healing, like in a little box in a cave on your own, but you're not going to know if it has worked or how to start implementing it in a practical way until you're faced with a situation of going on a date with someone and it not working out. Right. And every relationship that you attract into your life is going to be a mirror of something, whether that's mirroring some stuff that's like unhealed within you that you really need to work on. And maybe it's like, like my ex-husband, like not the best relationship, but it sure is going to wake up a bunch of shit in you, or it's going to be a mirror that's going to show you, okay, this is like now what you're going to feel safe with. And even healthy relationships, like are going to be mirrors where they're going to continue to bring up stuff that you're going to be able to work through together and heal. It's not always like a mirror that's going to destruct your fucking world. (laughs) Like even my current relationship now, like we both have very similar trauma past, like losing a parent very young, being the one to find them. So we have a lot of that. We see that in each other. So we're really protective of certain triggers that, that we each have. And it's really when you can look at your relationship in that way and be like, okay, instead of having a diabolical reaction to whatever's happening, like if you can kind of be investigative about it and be like, okay, what could this, what could this possibly be bringing up for me to look at? Because we so often as humans, it's so normal, want to point the finger at somebody else and be like, you're an asshole. Why are you doing this to me? You fucked up in this situation. And that might all be true. But there's going to be more gifts for you if you're like, okay, but what am I getting being on this side of the coin? And like, what can I gather from this that's going to help me on my journey? Yeah. It's definitely not easy to look at stuff that way. Yeah. (laughs) I know. Sometimes I'm like, I'll go through things and I'm like, I wish I didn't always like have to look at all these like nitty gritty things of just being able to like go through life and just not think of all the meaning behind things. However, it's so, it's so rewarding and it's, you know, has, you know, led me to the relationship that I'm in now and the business that I'm in now. But my mom, her thing, it was always like, it's a blessing in disguise. Everything's a blessing in disguise. And there've been so many times in my life where she said that to me, where I wanted to be like, not everything can be a blessing in disguise, but 
everything is a blessing in disguise. Girl, I literally <laughs> grew up in a house with a healer. So when I want to call my mom and be like, this asshole cut me off on the floor, she said, Gabrielle, what could that be bringing up? And I'm like, can you just let me bitch about it for five seconds before I get the fucking lesson, please? Yeah. <laughs> but yes, it's true. Like, I've seen some people be like, it's toxic to say everything happens for a reason. And I'm like, no, it actually gives purpose and meaning to a lot of really messed up shit that happens on this planet as, you know, humans that we experience. And it doesn't mean that like everything happens for a good reason. It means like the deaths that I've had in my life, were they tragic and horrible? Absolutely. Can I literally see a blueprint of the path that that sent me on and what that did for me in my life? 100%. It gives it meaning to where it's not just this like senseless act of shit that's happening. And it gives you a little bit of, of peace of mind knowing that like, okay, this wasn't just some, you know, horrible thing that I had to experience. There were lessons for me. There were lessons for the other person, you know, like Javier who broke up with me before the trip, he was the catalyst to so much of my healing. And he like, I had never had my heart broken before he put that shit in a blender, turned it on, drank it for breakfast and shit it out the other end. Like it was brutal. And that was such a big learning thing for me. I would not have gone on the trip, written a book, had like the platform that I have now and have been able to help so many women around the world without that. So that was him for me, for my reason. But like him, I came into his life to like save him from a really horrible depression that he was in. Those books made him look at himself in a very different way and have to really like go inward and rectify some shit with himself. Like it's all happening for some reason. And if you can hold on to knowing that while you're going through the shit and you're like, fuck, this sucks so bad. But I do know it's got to be happening for a reason. So I'm just going to breathe through it and hold on for dear life. That makes it a little easier to imagine the light at the end of the tunnel when you're in the darkness. Totally. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that you get to get to nor should bypass the anger and sadness and depression no. and all of those things. And and um, what I tell people, too, is like, it's obviously when you're in it, it's hard to see it, but like literally look back on anything bad that happened to you in your life. And like you said, like trace what happened after that. And I can guarantee that it's, it's like led you to something good or taught you something really, really valuable. 100%. Yeah. I mean, everything in my life, you can literally look at and you'll see a blueprint of how I got to where I am now. So my last question would be, Anyone that's listening that li that is like in the thick of going through a breakup, what would you say to them? I mean, book a trip to Europe. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Although solo travel is always going to be amazing. And I do always recommend that. It doesn't have to be like some getting on a plane out of the country, like go camping by yourself for a weekend, like take yourself to like a cute little, you know, town outside of your hometown. But I would say, you know, kind of what we've been saying this whole time, first of all, allow yourself to feel it and go through all the emotions, do the work, whatever that means to you, whether that's therapy or, you know, meditation or any type of healing journey that you think you're called to do, you know, do that work. Don't numb it. Don't go out and party and drink and like get under the next person to get over the last person. Like really give yourself the time to process and heal it all. 
And remember that no matter how dark it seems, like there is a light at the end of the tunnel. You have gotten through everything else that life has thrown at you and you're still fucking here. You're going to get through this too. So hold on and know that that light at the other end is more beautiful than you could ever imagine. So just keep going. That's amazing. I love that. And you have mentioned your two books, but um, if you want to just, you know, say your two books, I know you have a journal too. So maybe mention that and where people can connect with you. Yeah. So all of the everything can be found on my website, which is eatprayfml.com. We have all the merch on there from the podcast. We have signed copies of the books. You can also get the books on Amazon. The first one's Eat, Pray, FML. The second is The Ridiculous Misadventures of a Single Girl. They're both available on audiobook as well. I narrate both of them. And we also have the self-love healing journal, which is called Fuck Off, I'm Healing. And that's kind of a a step-by-step guide that I walk you through every kind of part of the healing process and working through old trauma, creating different thought patterns. It's a pretty powerful little book for people that not only, you know, it can be heartbreak, but any type of healing journey, grief that you're experiencing and going on. And there's prompts to kind of help work you through all that. And the podcast is called FML Talk and it airs every Wednesday. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story and your wisdom. And thank you for doing all the work that you have done so you can help you know, people going through it now. And I appreciate it so much. Oh, thank you for that. I appreciate you having me on. I hope you enjoyed today's show. If you loved it, I hope you'll leave a review and share with your friends. If you're not already following me on Instagram, head to at your breakup bestie, where I'm sharing new content almost every day. To join our Facebook group, Healing Hearts Club, where you can connect with thousands of people from all over the world going through breakups, head to the link in the show notes. And don't forget to check out my online courses for more in-depth help through your healing journey. I always end these episodes the same way, reminding you to be nice to yourself, stay connected with loved ones, and the biggest reminder is that this too shall pass. I promise. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.